A man's journey with God begins, continues, and ends with supernatural encounters that he orchestrates for him. No man will ever discover, enter into, and fulfill God's purpose in his lifetime without these supernatural encounters with God. Each encounter you have with God will not only transform your life, but will shift you supernaturally to a pedestal of glory where God can use you to transform others. A moment of encounter with God will shift you from where you are to where you are supposed to be spiritually and physically. Prepare Prepare your heart for for an uncommon uncommon transformation from from God's word and all-round miracles by by the power of the Holy Ghost as God's servant. Chidebele Chidebele Udeze leads us in this special moment of encounter with God. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name. We give you praise. Yes, Lord. We appreciate you for the privilege of being called your sons. Thank you for gift of life. Thank you for health. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We appreciate you for everything you have done for us this morning. We say, may your name be blessed and be glorified. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, as we have come again this morning to pray, we cannot pray without you. We need you to help us. Energize us, quicken us, and we will call upon your name. Draw us and we will run after you. Lord, please, by your spirit, help us. Spirit of the living God, we totally align ourselves to you and with you this morning. And we ask you to please come and have your way. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. We appreciate God for another time another day in our 40 days of power journey we have um, looked at or we started looking at the secrets of praying long hours two days ago and we saw that it is very important that we learn to pray and tarry before God in prayer for long hours because the working of God in our lives is a direct pro- is in direct proportion with the working of God through our lives whatever and however God is going to work through our lives is going to be determined by his work in our lives. Many of us will like God to use us mightily and powerfully. But if God is going to use us to do mighty and great things, it will have to, it, it will have to be according to his working in us. Work out your salvation. Why am I asking you to work out your salvation? Because God is working in you. So, if whatever He works in you is going to be what you will work out. That's Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. 
And in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 say, Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above more than we can ask or think. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above more than we can ever ask or think. But it must be according to the power that is at work in us. It must be according to the power that is at work in us. And in Colossians, we saw it yesterday, Paul was listing his commitment to teach, train, and preach Christ to everyone, one everyone. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, 29, he said, But I know that all this labor is going to be according to his mighty power that worketh in me mightily. So, if we are desiring that God will pass through us to help others, we must be very, very uh, serious and committed to uh, cooperate with him and let him work in us. Because his work in us is going to be the outwork in, uh, through us. His outwork through us. Now, we also move on to now look at what are the secrets of praying long hours. And we saw that the first one is that we must pray with the strength of the Spirit. For the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. Yes, for we don't know what to pray as we ought to. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. We don't know what we ought to pray as we ought to. But the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, He prayeth for us with groaning that cannot be uttered. And in Isaiah 40 from verse 28, 29, 30, 31, we saw that God's power is limitless. He doesn't get weak or tired. And He is also very benevolent in dispensing this power to those who are weak. But they must wait upon Him in order to be able to renew their strength and their power. And we also saw that for us to get into the spirit strength, into the frequency of the strength of the spirit, there must be an activation. Psalm 80 verse 18 said, Quicken us that we will not go back from thee. Quicken us and we will call upon your name. That we will not go back from thee. Quicken us and we will call upon your name. And in Songs of Solomon chapter 1 verse 4 he said, Draw me and we will run after you. So there must be divine activation, divine quickening, divine drawing that will bring the manifestation of the strength of the Lord himself inside of us as men before we can flow in the frequency of the strength of the Spirit. Now we also saw that another secret of praying long hours is that we must pray with the language of the Spirit. And we saw that the first dimension of the Spirit's language is speaking in tongues, which is also at the same level with singing in tongues. And the benefit is what we discussed yesterday and practicalized yesterday. Now, why we share these things is not just for us to keep gathering knowledge. The Lord is training us on what our daily lives must be. These 40 days of power is 40 days of training. All that God has been speaking to us, please don't just be passing them like we have spoken about praying with the strength of the Lord, praying with the language of the Spirit, speaking in tongues. 
and all of that. Don't just, you know, be passing through them and be uh, leaving them by the side. Ensure that you are putting them into practice. It's supposed to be part of our daily life as we journey in, in our destiny journey with, with the Lord. So we, uh, we looked yesterday at the benefit of speaking in tongues, the benefit of praying in tongues, the benefit of singing in tongues. We say we, 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 when we pray in tongues, though we don't hear and understand what we say, but we speak mysteries to God. We build ourselves on our most holy faith and we download information concerning our lives and destinies from the Spirit's realm as He reveals them to us even as we pray in the Holy Ghost. We also saw that the battles, the spiritual warfare battles, we fight them through praying in the Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. By the time he finished listing the uh, uh, defensive armors, he now lists one offensive armor, the sword of the Spirit we use to fight the devil, which is the Word of God. But he said, for these things, for that sword to be wielded in that battle, in that fight, we must do, do so. Praying always, praying always in the, in the spirit. Praying always in the spirit. With all prayers and supplication in the spirit. And then we saw also that for that to happen, we must maintain consistency. We must maintain consistency. Listen, when we talk about you know, praying in the Holy Ghost or praying in the spirit, it is something that we must do with all consciousness, knowing that the Lord is depending on us for Him to be able to accomplish His purpose and His will on the earth. We know that for God to do anything on the earth, He is expecting man to pray for His power to be wielded, to, be, to, to, to accomplish anything on the earth. There must be a, a move of that power by the people of God. So many things that has remained undone, Many things that have not been, you know, accomplished by God through us has been as a result of we not praying the way we are supposed to pray. Because until we pray, we saw in the case of Elijah, I think two days ago, that if Elijah is to, uh, if God is to bring rain on the earth, even though he has said it, but Elijah must cooperate with God and pray and pray with that consciousness until... He doesn't just say, I have prayed. God has heard me. He remained in that prayer. He told his servants, go and check. And when he came back and said, there is nothing. Elijah did not conclude and say, since there is nothing, let me live here. There's, no, there's nothing actually. Let me just conclude that God has answered me. And you know, for some of us, we will just say, Father, thank you because I have prayed. And I know you have heard me. No. He said to him, go and keep checking. Because I'm not going to stop this prayer until I see a sign that the prayer has been answered. This is how the sense of old followed God. Some of us, we just pray a prayer point. There is no sign that the answer has come. There is nothing. You just feel that God is God. He should do what He's supposed to do. Who told you that? You must understand that there is a principle of the Spirit. We must pray and remain in prayer until we are sure that heaven is properly mobilized to answer the prayer we are praying. If we are not sure, we remain in prayer. Elijah remained. Elijah remained. See, you are not the first person that knew God. You are not the first person that has come into relationship with God. There are thousands. In fact, even in days of Elijah, God told Elijah that there are 7,000 I have reserved for myself. So, when you are praying 
or you are trusting God for something. You know, there are several believers out of ignorance. They are having, in fact, they, they get offended at God. And when you get offended at God, it is to your own detriment because God is not moved by your offense. God is above that. That's why you need to humble yourself and learn the way of God. Humble yourself and learn the ways of God. Many of us will not study the scriptures, will not see the examples of the saints that have gone before us. And then we are just uh, saying, I have prayed and nothing is happening. And where is God? I have been, I have been trying. No, no. Look at the way of God in the scriptures. Look at how Elijah prayed and remained in prayer until the servant came back and said, there is a sign. And when he said there is a sign, that was the only time he rose up from the place of prayer. Why will you rise up from your own place of prayer when there is no sign that God has answered you? And tomorrow you say that God has not given me a husband, he has not given me a job, he has not given me that. When you go to pray for a job, why, do you, why don't you remain in that place of prayer until there is a sign, a clear sign that God has answered your prayer for job? When you are trusting God for financial break, breakthrough or breaking forth, why don't you remain? Look at the example. So there must be persistence. The Bible says with all perseverance. There must be persistence. If you are praying that somebody will, that God will, will touch somebody to be saved or that God will move in revival, there must be perseverance until that happens. Until that happens. So, this uh, morning, before we look into the second dimension of the Spirit's growth, let us know that God, let us remember and know that God has a way. God is depending on us and is you know, hoping that we will come to him in his own terms, not in our own terms. God is expecting, the Bible, Jesus said, he, 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 he taught them a parable that men ought always to pray and not to fence. And when you look into the parable, you see how the widow continue going, continue going to the judge until the judge vindicated her. Even though the judge has no fear of God or fear of man, but because of the persistence of the widow, the judge has to, I mean, do what the widow is asking her to do. Why is Jesus giving us that kind of parable? He's telling us that if there is no perseverance, don't expect it. Because you must persevere for God to come. See, God is a king. You are not one of, you, you are not, um, you are not a king of his equal for you to come up and say, yes, come, let's talk. And then if he doesn't come, you get offended. You have to wait upon him. Are you getting it? That's where you have to wait upon him. You have to wait upon him. That waiting is where many of us are lacking behind. Eh? We just do it the way we want and then we move on. No, there must be a patient waiting upon God for whatever you are expecting God to do for you or to do through you for others. You must learn to wait upon God in the place of prayer. Remain. Don't stop. Don't come out. Until it is done. And not just for one day or for one time. It is a habit. It is a lifestyle. It is something that you must cultivate. And always follow that pattern because that is the principle of life. Now, one more benefit of praying in tongues that I didn't mention yesterday is there, but I, I omitted it. So I have to mention it this morning. Is that by praying in the, in the, in the Holy Ghost, by speaking in tongues, we get access into other gifts of the Spirit. Listen. Praying in tongue, the one we are talking about, 
is not one of the gifts, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. The diverse tongues in the list of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, like I said yesterday, is a way of God speaking through you to, the, to His people. It's like prophecy. And there must be an interpretation. Are you getting that? But praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, Jesus called it a sign. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. So it's not the Spirit given to each man according to his will. No. This one is the Spirit given to every man that is filled. In fact, somebody was describing it. He said that when you are filling, pumping water through a sumo to an overhead tank, that when the, sum, uh, the tank gets filled, the next thing is that the water will start coming out of the mouth. So, it is a sign that one is filled with the Holy Ghost. And that is why, if you read the book of Acts, wherever people are filled with the Holy Spirit, the natural thing that happens is the Holy Ghost also starts, you know, bursting out through the tongues. So, it is something that should happen to everyone who has believed. Once you have believed, that, that sign, that sign, or you can, you can call it a gift, but it's a basic general gift for every believer who have believed in Christ, in, in Christ Jesus. Now, when you have that gift, and you begin to speak in tongues, begin to speak in tongues, begin, now, that is when other gifts that are in the list of the, 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 the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and maybe more will begin to manifest. For example, when you talk about the gift of word of wisdom, the gift of word of knowledge, the gift of um, uh, working of miracles and all of that. Listen, those, uh, those other gifts, gift of healing, they don't manifest if you don't journey in tongues. It is as you speak in tongues, speak in tongues, speak in tongues, that you will come to the point where they will be activated. Are you getting it? For example, you, you, you are to minister to some people or to someone, and you just come out and you begin to, no, 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 no. You need to journey in tongue. It is the journey in tongue that gets you to, you know, to the realm of faith where you will be able to manifest these other gifts that are inside of you. So that is why... Speaking in tongues is very basic and very, very important. Now, having uh, said that, let, let's now look at the groaning technology. The dimension of the spirit language called groaning. And it was mentioned in Romans chapter, six, chapter 8 verse 26. Please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. He said, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27. And he that searcheth the, the heart knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What does it mean to groan? According to the dictionary, to groan is to utter a deep sound expressing pain, distress, or disapproval. To utter sound, 
deep sound expressing pain, distress, or disapproval. In Igbo language, they call it isude. You groan, you make a deep sound expressing pain. Now, listen. The best way you understand groan is when a man or a woman is in pain and he doesn't want to cry. Eh? You know, if a child is in pain, what is the natural thing the child does? He will open his mouth wider than any other thing. In fact, right from when a baby is born, once the pain of hunger enters <laughs> Once he senses hunger, ah, every energy is as used to cry. Now, when you become an adult and you don't want to cry when there is pain, eh, and the pain is really serious and excruciating, how you express that you are in pain is by groan, by groaning. And that is why groaning and traveling, they are brother and sister or twin brothers. Look at this same scripture, verse 22. If you look at from, okay, let's look at it from verse 23. You say, because, okay, let's start from verse 19, because this is a scripture that many of us know about. So let's read from where we know. He said, for the endless expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and traveleth in pain together until now. Pay attention to that verse. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and traveleth in pain together until now. They groan and they travel in, in, in pain. Verse 23, and not only this, the creation, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit the redemption of our body. He now said, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do it with patience, and wait for it. Verse 26. He said, Now, likewise, the same way that the creation groaneth and traveleth in pain, the same way that um, we also groan with, he said, The Spirit helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses. For we don't know what we should pray as we ought to, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, listen. The Spirit that is talking to don't forget that he is living inside of us the holy ghost maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered now the language of the spirit itself look at that scripture say the spirit itself 
the language of the spirit itself that he uses when he wants to pray, when he wants to pray in us or pray for us with, from within us is groaning. Eh? Groaning, which cannot be uttered. You may not be able to express it in words. But those groaning, they are languages in the spirit that God himself hears and understands. For example, if you say, Father, I need a help from you in my business, in my family, that is a language that you understand. There's another way of saying it. Maybe speaking it in tongues. That's another language. Then there's another language. Now, when you do the same thing that can be spoken in English, spoken in tongues, is now spoken in a different language. Groaning language. That even though People didn't know what you said. Even though, even you yourself may not know because the Spirit of God is in you in total union with the Holy Spirit. Make it that groaning. And that groaning, you may not understand. Just like speaking in tongues. You may not know exactly why, what the groaning meant. But you can be sure. That, that was why he gave us assurance in verse 27. You can be sure that that groaning, that intercession, that thing that the Spirit is saying is in total alignment with the perfect will of God for us in that situation. Now listen. You know a woman that is in labor. A woman that is about to bring forth a child. That woman, the, the language they speak is the language of groan. Because the pain is so much and if, if you have been a woman and you have passed through labor you know that at that point you just see the woman she will just put her, her, her hand in her waist and they are saying now she is traveling in pain and how you know that she's traveling travel means to labor to labor to toil why, how, how you know that she's traveling is because the, the, the groan, the sound that is coming out is showing you the amount of travel, the amount of labor that she's passing through. Are you following me? Now, I want, you to, I want to refer to us to some scriptures. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, for example. Paul said, My little children, of whom I travel in bed again, until Christ be formed in you. What do you think exactly that Paul is referring to? My little children, Galatians 4.19, of whom I travel in bed again, until Christ be formed in you. What exactly does he mean? Is he trying to say that he is pregnant and is traveling in bed? No. Paul is saying that Exactly the same way a woman in labor is laboring. And how you know that she's laboring is the groan. Paul is saying, do you know that I am groaning 
as I'm laboring in, 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 in traveling in bed, laboring in bed to be able to produce the life of Christ in you in the place of prayer. Are you following me? And when you read Isaiah 66, verse 6 and 7, he said, Shall a nation be born in one day? Eh? Have you ever heard that a nation is born in one day? Isaiah 66, if you look from verse Okay, from verse 7, it says, Before she traveled, she brought, forth, she, she brought forth, before her pain comes, she was delivered of a man-child. You now ask the question, who have had such things? Has it ever happened anywhere? Eh? Somebody is saying, I want to avoid travel and bring forth. Eh? I want to avoid pain and I gave birth. He said, who has ever heard such... Where has it happened? That's verse 8. Who has seen such things? Have you seen it? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Shall a nation be born at once? He said, no, 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 no. That even for Zion, she can only bring forth her children after her travail. Stop just imagining that a nation of believers will be born without travail. That's what he's trying to tell us here. Because most times we think that people will be saved. People, the revival will come when there is no travail. You say, who has, who told you such a thing? How come you are imagining eh, that without travail, even Paul told us that I have travailed before and Christ was not formed. And I am going to travel now. And I'm not going to stop this travel until Christ be formed in you. That is to show us that the place of real intercessory prayers cannot be taken by anything. Whether you are expecting souls to be won, whether you are expecting believers to get revived, whether you are expecting transformation in the nation, in your family, or Maybe in your own life, there must be a travel before there must be, there, there will be a bringing forth. He said, a nation does, is not born in one day. There must be a travel. He said, even for Zion, it is as soon as it travels that it will bring God. So you can. What this verse is saying is that you cannot ever escape, or there's no technology anywhere to dodge travel before bringing forth. So if you are expecting to bring forth, if you are expecting fruitfulness, and it must come by and from God, there must be a travail in prayer. Epaphras, who is one of you? A servant of Christ, always laboring, always laboring fervently for you, that you will stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That's another aspect of travail. Now, you are already born, you are a believer, but you are not standing perfect and complete in all the will of God. 
I mean, there are things around your life that is not showing that this is the perfect will of God for you. Where you are spiritually, where you are ministerially, where you are financially, where you are maritally, is not consistent with what the perfect will of God for you is or should be. And so, there must be a labor. That labor that he was talking about there is the same word with a woman in travel. Epaphras. You can just remove that labor and say, Epaphras, who is one of you? A servant of Christ, always traveling fervently. And when you see a man in prayer labor, prayer travel, there must be a sign. That sign is grown. The, the, that deep sound, deep sound, expressing pain, expressing distress, expressing a, 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 a disapproval. And so, if we must cause the hand of God to move for salvation of sinners, the same way human life is brought forth by labor, as woman labors. That's how also, as the Bible told us now, that divine life is brought forth by what? By labor. But the kind of labor that brought forth human life, that brought forth all of us through our mothers, is a labor in childbirth, physical childbirth. There is also another labor that brings forth, that births divine life, the life of Christ in human beings, in people around. That labor is a prayer labor. And it has the same terminologies with that of woman that is in pain. Are you getting it? And that is where groaning comes in. That is where the spirit begins to groan. And so when we talk about speaking in tongues, the Bible says, he that speaketh in tongues edifieth himself. But when you move to groaning, you are now getting to the level of interceding for others. Groaning is an intercessory language of the Spirit through which He wants to pass through you when you are in total alignment with Him to be able to bet the life of Christ in others, to be able to cause spiritual awakening, revival in others. Groaning. Groaning is the highest form of intercession that one can enter into on behalf of others in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. I repeat, groaning is the highest form of intercession that one can enter into on behalf of others in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Groaning is associated with travel. To bet human life requires laborious travel. To bet divine life also requires laborious travel, but in prayer. But in prayer. To also cause believers to grow in life and mature in life is not just teaching them the word of God. If it is only by teaching, why will Epaphras always laboring fervently for you in prayers? Are we telling us that Epaphras is a fool? And Paul, that has become a model for all of us in following Christ, doesn't know what he's talking about. Or Jesus, who labored in prayer travel, even in Gethsemane and several other places where he prayed. You see a man, if you have watched The Passion of Christ, I always say that that film, the part that touches me most, is the beginning part. The Passion of Christ. 
the beginning part where they try to show how he prayed in Gethsemane. Go and watch it again. You will see what I'm talking about. You see how it was not just a prayer with words. Before he ever uttered a word, he has grown severally. Before he ever said, Father, he has grown. And when you see the sweat coming, you know that this is coming from a serious inward labor. That is a pain that is going through. He said, my soul is troubled. My soul is troubled. Stay here and watch with me. My soul is troubled. Stay here and watch with me. Something is troubling my soul. And my soul is getting into alignment with the spirit for a labor that will avert this, you know, disaster that is ahead. As soon as Zion travel, she brings forth her children. Don't expect bringing forth spiritual children. Don't expect maturing spiritual children without travel. There are four aspects. Let me just outline them. That four aspects of intercession that requires the groaning dimension of the spirit. We have mentioned salvation of sinners. If sinners will be saved, and you can be sure that they ask, you must move from praying in a new language to speaking in tongues, and from speaking in tongues to groaning in the spirit. Then number two, the maturity of sense, the perfection of sense, like we saw in the case of Epaphras. If the sense will be matured, not just by teaching, excellency of speech, but by engaging God himself to walk in their life, through prayer, travel. There must be groaning in the spirit. And then, there must be also, when we, we are trusting God for spiritual awakening, if you read Isaiah chapter 62, Isaiah chapter 62 verse 1, you will see an example, another example of where Isaiah was in prayer travel. Isaiah 62 verse 1 and 2, he said, For Zion's sake will I not Hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. A woman in labor is characterized by restlessness. A woman in labor, she does not sleep. In fact, in fact, I have been with my wife, you know, the period that she is in labor. <laughs> and when she is in labor, sometimes you will see that she wants to sleep. Because this will happen over a night. Sometimes it will enter the second night. You see that she may want to sleep. But the next thing, she will start, you know, laboring again. You can't sleep under that condition. No, 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 no. The labor will continue until that baby comes out. That's when you know that you have entered groaning level. Eh? It is a, 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 a point of no return in prayer. You don't just stop. You can't stop. See, at the groaning level, listen, the spirit itself... It's not about you again. You have the, the, the matter has gone completely out of your hand. It is now completely in the hand of the Holy Ghost. The intercession, the prayer is now in his hand. Now listen, 
you know, when Isaiah said, for Zion's sake, I will not rest. That will show you that it is not because he's looking for anything for himself. Eh? He didn't say, for the sake of my marriage or my, the car I am expecting God to give me or whatever. The Spirit maketh intercession for us. Now, that intercession for us, you may think, if you don't understand the context of that passage, you may think he's, think he's saying that the Spirit will make intercession for you. That is, he will be praying for you that God will give you things. No. Don't misunderstand that scripture. What he's saying is that we don't know how to make intercession. We don't know how to intercede. We don't know what to pray as we ought to. Are you getting it? So because we don't know what to, to pray, we will have to hand over the intercession into the hand of the Spirit. So when he takes over, when he takes over, he begins to groan. That is to say, the groaning, groaning level is intercessory level. But this intercessory level is not you interceding now. It is the spirit interceding. through. Let me just use the word, through you. In fact, I have to check that for. In, the spirit maketh intercession for us. In the uh, Bible dictionary, strong concordance. You know, he said that for is instead. That is, instead of us making intercession, the spirit maketh inter intercession instead of us. Did you get it now? So that I don't think that, okay, this scripture said the Spirit is going to pray for me. And uh, so let me relax. It's, the Holy Ghost is praying for me. Eh -eh. You have prayed and come to a point where the Spirit took over. And all the person is just saying or doing is... <coughs> now, you can't artificialize it. I will soon share with us the principles, just shortly, of groaning in the Spirit. So, we must understand that a woman in labor is always at the labor. It doesn't rest. It, she, see, if a woman likes gossip, it's not for the period of labor. The moment she enters labor, eh, and you, are, you want to gossip with her, she will tell you, please, this is not a time of gossip. I am in labor now. There's no distraction. She doesn't talk too much. She groans and will never stop growing, groaning until she delivers of her baby. So, when you are interested in the revival of the church, for Zion's sake, for the believer's sake, for the spiritual awakening we are expecting in our time, for Nigerian's sake, oh, there are prophecies for Nigeria. Oh, for Nigerian's sake, I, I will not rest. Jerusalem is the city, and Isaiah is a man. Nigeria is a, a country, and you are the man. So can that same burden that came for, upon Isaiah for Jerusalem... Eh? Come upon us for our country, Nigeria, for the church. Zion is referring to the church. Zion is referring to the church. Why Jerusalem? Okay, Zion is referring to the city. Sorry. Why Jerusalem is referring uh, refer to what? The church. There is a temple in Jerusalem. So, for the sake of the city, for the sake of the nation, for the sake of the church in the nation, I will not rest. The intercessory burden that will make you. To align yourself with the Holy Ghost and begin to bear the burden. Say, until, until, until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness. Until corruption ends in every sector of Nigeria. And until the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. I pray that God will help us and bring us to this dimension. You know, it's not just what will happen this morning. I said it at the beginning. The spiritual education that God is bringing to us during the 40 days, we should not joke with it. 
Because they are the things that God is expecting us to enter into for the dimension of the glory that He is you know, bringing uh, to us in this season. Now, another aspect, which is the fourth dimension, is in raising the dead. Eh? The raising the dead from back to life. We saw an example of that, raw example in Jesus, how he raised Lazarus. I want you to see, because groaning has to do with matter of life and death. You know, Jesus gave a three-dimensional levels of prayers. Ask, seek, and knock. Groaning is at the knocking level. Are you getting me? You are knocking. That is the highest form of prayer. Knocking at the gates. Are you getting that? In case of Lazarus, I want you to see something quickly in John 11 before we look at few principles of groaning as we begin to pray this morning. In John chapter 11, they told Jesus that your friend Lazarus is sick. Eh? They said to him, Lazarus is sick. In verse 4, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And he abode two days. So when he finally arrived in verse 38, then when Mary was come to where Jesus was, John 11 verse 32, sorry. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her. What happened? Look at your Bible and tell me. What happened? Look at your Bible and tell me. What happened? He groaned in the spirit. He groaned in the spirit. When Jesus saw her, there is no record that Jesus spoke in tongues. Eh? Yes. For, for all the gospel, there is no place it was written that he spoke in tongues. Possibly because, I believe he spoke in tongues, but maybe because he didn't speak it where people are. He is full of the Holy Ghost, so he should speak in tongues. Are you getting it? But possibly... He must have done that privately. Now, but when it comes to groaning, the Bible says he groaned in the spirit. When he saw her weeping, and the Jews that came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That's exactly what happened at Gethsemane. He, he, he said, my soul is troubled. And then he started groaning. He started groaning. See, there are some dimensions of trouble and problem that will come upon you. You will not have mouth to talk or pray again. Just have to start groaning. It is the, that language that we go fast. Open the gates. Clear matters in the realm of the spirit and bring forth results or answer as quick as possible. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And they left that Jesus wept for one verse. Jesus wept. They should have joined that Jesus wept with another verse. 
What does it mean to weep? What does it mean to weep? You know, sometimes we just believe that Jesus just came to Lazarus' tomb and said, Where did you leave him? Eh? Where, 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 where? Oh, Lazarus, come forth. Father, I thank you because you have heard me. You always hear me. So, Lazarus, come forth. Listen. The man was moved. He was moved into. I believe that. Listen. I believe that what he saw was beyond what he was expecting. The situation was somehow and somewhat overwhelming. Excuse me. We know that there are some women that are professional in crying artificial cry when people die. Am I correct? If you go to bed and you see them, they are just crying. I don't know whether they, are, they pay them or it's a kind of culture. Just the moment they finish burying the person, the same women will come out and say, please, bring our our um, our <laughs> chick, you know. They will charge. In fact, some, when they finish burial, the same people that are crying, if you see their dancing step, they say they are they are doing funeral or what? If you see their dancing step and how they are shaking their body, dancing, you'll be asking yourself, what is the connection between this artificial cry and this dance? If somebody is really crying and is sober, will he be dancing like this? And then you see where they are dragging for their food, for their drink, for their chicken, for their meat, and they are saying, see, you know, you wonder, what is the, what is the heart? See, Jesus is not like that. He didn't cry just to show people that he, he can cry. The Bible says he wept. He was, as he was weeping, you are seeing weeping physically, but there was the groaning continues. He was speaking to God in the language of the Spirit. He was clearing way. Listen, if Lazarus is dead, maybe just now, eh? It's a different thing that Lazarus has been buried for four days. You, you, you need to see, there are, in the realm of the Spirit, I hope you know that when somebody is leaving the land of the living into the land of the dead, is crossing a, a, a boundary. Are you getting it? And at the, every boundary of a country, in fact, even Nigeria, if you are moving from Enugu State to Anambra State, there is always a checkpoint at the boundary of the state. The police will be there, the army will be there. Am I correct? At the boundary of each state, there is always a, a gatekeeper. If police checkpoint or army checkpoint is not in any part of the, 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 the city, it must not fail to be at the boundary. You must meet them before you cross the boundary. That's for state inside. How much more if you are crossing a country? They will check you properly. Now, you are crossing from the land of the living to the land of the dead. They will check you out. And then when you get to the airport, the, 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 the landing point of the land of the dead, they will check you in. I get it. And then they so by the time you are thinking of raising a dead person, see, it's not like healing a sick person. The person is still inside the body. They are not the same dimension. If you are to heal the sick, you just lay hands and say, You sickness, set and go. And that is the end. But you are trying to call back a spirit that has crossed the first boundary of the living, entered the checkpoint of the boundary of the of death, the gate of Hades, and then moved either into paradise or into hell. Waiting for when the, those in hell will move from hell to hellfire and those in paradise will move. Listen, I, I don't know whether you understand what goes on when people die. When people die, they don't go to heaven directly. Listen, they don't. 
even if you are a saint, you go to where they call Hades. Hades. Everybody, righteous, you must pass through the gate of Hades. And when the gate of Hades opens, then they will now check you at that at that gate, at that point. When they check you properly, they will know whether you are moving to paradise to join the saints or you are moving to hell to join the sinners. And that's where they will be until Christ returns. When Christ returns, there will be a, a, a rising from the dead for people to now move from hell to hellfire and people to move from paradise to heaven. That is the structure. So, anybody who is dead, Lazarus has crossed the the, the, the gate, gate pass of the living entered the gate pass of the dead and they have checked him at the gate of Hades. The gatekeepers has checked him and checked him in into maybe the uh, paradise section. Are you getting it? And they have given him his own allocation. You remember the rich man and Lazarus? Do you remember? Uh-huh. They are, he's already settled. And then suddenly somebody needs to make a way. Somebody needs to bring the spirit of Lazarus back to his body. You know that when Jesus was before the, la- the tomb of Lazarus, he didn't say, Lazarus, come back to life. What did he say? Lazarus, you are there. Comfort. And he that is dead started walking out. In other words, somebody has labored to bring him from Hades down to his body. And he was now in his body inside the tomb. So when Jesus came, he has finished the process are you following me at all? The groaning that cleared the way, you know, he has brought Lazarus to his body. So he said, Remove the stone. When he, he said, Lazarus, comfort. Are you getting me at all? This is powerful. No, I want you to f- follow me. Jesus wept. The groaning continues. Look at the next verse, verse 36. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. They saw how he was groaning and crying. Then next verse, verse 37, and some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Everybody, please read verse 38 together. One, two, go. Jesus, therefore, grow, again, groaning in himself, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, eh? cometh to the grave. Groaning in himself as he's moving to the grave. So, what is he doing? By this groaning in the spirit, he is laboring across the boundaries. He is speaking languages to God that will bring forth Lazarus from paradise pass again through the gates of Hades, pass again through the gates of the living, pass again into his body. And then when he come to the, he said, take away the stone. And then from there he said, Lazarus, comfort. Lazarus, comfort. Now, raising the dead is a type of the highest form of difficulty or problem that looks impossible. Is a principle. The principle is that no matter how difficult a problem is, no matter how impossible it looks, nobody ever think, thought that a man that has been buried for four days can be brought back to life. That is to tell you that this is a, a, a kind of a type of situation that are not thought 
by anybody that it is, it is possible. By groaning in the spirit. The most difficult problem, the most impossible problem will be made possible. I, I get it. But that's why you need to appreciate. He's not just talking about raising the dead physically. He's also try, telling us about any kind of difficult, any kind of problem. Oh, that lady is 65 years old and she, 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 she needs to get married. 65 years old, can he get married? Oh, that woman is 70 something years old and she, she still needs to have a baby. Any kind of problem can be solved by groaning. That's why we must learn how to enter into that dimension. So let me just quickly share one or two or three principles of groaning in the spirit or spiritual groaning. Number one, you must have, you must have a burden. You must have a burden. The matter must touch your heart. Look at Jesus' case. Eh? The Bible did not say Jesus cried. There's a difference between crying and weeping. He wept. He was moved. He was troubled. He was disturbed. He was burdened. The matter gave him restlessness. The word trouble, he became restless. Like a woman in labor, he became restless. Like in the case of Gethsemane, he became restless. No, 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 no. This matter, oh, something has to be done. A prayer point that does not touch your heart will not touch the heart of God. Listen, God is a spirit and he hears the language of the spirit. And one of the major spirit language is groaning. And for groaning to take place, the matter must be a burden in your heart. It must touch your heart. There's a difference between burden and worry. Worry is when you are thinking about the matter, trying to find solution by your strength and your wisdom to the solution. No, that's, the, that's not what, what I'm talking about. Maybe the thing is worrying you. You say, let me think about my life. And you are thinking. You are just there interacting with Satan. Worry is given to you by Satan so that you worry, worry, he will just control your mind and put you in a state of misery. But when you talk about burden, burden, burden is coming from God. And listen, this burden is given to you by the Spirit over matters that you are supposed to pray about. Sometimes they may come in form of revelation or vision or God ministering or showing you a, 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 a situation that needed a serious intervention. It may not be about you. That is why if you must, you must be a man that grows. And of course, listen, maybe by now you must have noticed or discovered that for, for, for people that God uses in the highest way, they are the people that enters this dimension of prayer. Because when God wants to do the greatest thing on earth, the most difficult thing on earth, it is by men that grows. Are you getting it? It is by men. They talk about welling women. Welling women. It's not just that they are welling. There is a groaning behind the welling. There is a groaning behind the weeping. Jesus wept. Full stop. Jesus wept. Do you know how long? Jesus wept. He wept and wept and wept until the people around said, Kai, see how he loved, he loved him. Jesus wept. How long? Did you know? Jesus wept. Did you, did, you, did you know the expression of that weeping that people saw that made them to say, Kai, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. Are, are you getting it now? Groaning took place. The matter must touch your heart. 
the situation must, you know, there are times, listen, there are times they tell you that something is happening in your family. It doesn't touch you. You say, well, as long as it's not happening to me, there's no problem. Eh? Something is happening in Nigeria. Ah, Nigeria. But I have what I'm eating. That, no problem. Something is happening in the church. The body of Christ, ministers are not doing well. Ah, ministers. Make them do well now. Eh? I beg, make I uh, find a solution to my own problem. You know, what, 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 what concerns me? Ministers are not doing well. Ah, believers are backsliding and all of that. Ah, what concerns me? So, that kind of heart, that kind of heart, you know, the major problem we must conquer when it comes to prayer is selfishness. Self-centeredness and selfish ambition. Selfishness. Self-centeredness and selfish ambition. If you see selfishness, you are only interested about that which concerns you. Eh? My marriage, my family, my children, my, my brothers and sisters, eh? my, my promotion, my job, my admission. That's all you are praying about. You are of no use and you will be of no use to the kingdom. And there are several believers like that. Once the prayer is not about them, once the warfare prayer is not about them, they are not interested. These are the kind of believers that are not, you know, of any serious use by God. Listen, listen, we are not just saved for ourselves. We are saved to be instruments in the hand of God to save others. We are saved because God wants to use us as light in this world. He wants to use us to bring solution to this world. The darkness that is everywhere. And somebody must rise up to pray. But the matter must touch your heart. That's why they say David is a, a, a man after God's own heart. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? That what is touching God, what is giving God sleepless nights is also touching you, giving you sleepless nights. You are troubled and worried by the same thing that troubled and worried God. Jesus was troubled. He wept. He was worried. He started groaning. I pray that God will help us to overcome selfishness, overcome self-centeredness. You are always at the center. To overcome selfish ambition. You want to achieve this, achieve that. You want to be a great man of God in the ministry. For who and for what? Just for the sake of being great. There's no passion and compassion for God's people. I always pray prayer. I say to God, please, deliver me from selfish. Always, I always pray that prayer. And anytime I have opportunity to pray, pray with God's people and pray for them, I always say, Father, deliver us from selfishness. If Jesus was selfish, he wouldn't have come to die for us. Self-centeredness. Being at the center. Every of your plan is you at the center. And then, selfish ambition. You want to achieve this and achieve that. For who? Just for, the, for yourself to become great and be glorified. We need to make sure that we are delivered from self. Listen, how you know that you are still bound by self is that the moment the prayer point is around your children, Eh? For mothers, or around your, your, for fathers too, or around your business, or around your progress, you will just wake up. If you are sleeping before, you will rise up. For some of us, around your family members, th that your love, your heart is towards them, you will wake up. But when it is time to carry the burden of the Lord, for Zion's sake, for Zion's sake, for Jerusalem's sake, Somebody said, I, will, I, I, I am a woman that is in trouble. I, I will not rest. Rest has been taken away from me. Sleep has, has gone away from my eyes. 
a woman in labor, she keeps a vigil. I mean, without, if there is a burden, if there is a pain in your heart, you won't be sleeping and be praying. It's because your heart is empty of burden for that which you are praying about. A woman in labor does not sleep. He does not sleep because the labor, the groan is much. I pray that God will help us. So, the first principle of spiritual groaning is that you must have what? A burden. Number two, what is the second principle? You must be totally yielded to the Holy Spirit. You must, because it is the Spirit itself. The Spirit itself make it intercession for us with groaning that cannot be uttered. Total alignment. If you are still disobeying the Spirit, doing what you want, forget about it. The Spirit cannot take over and groan through you. And then, number three, you must enter the dimension of groaning most times from the dimension of tonguing, speaking in tongues. Listen. If you want to pray, that, that there are some level of burden that can come upon you, you can enter directly into groaning from that burden. You can start groaning. But most times, due to so many things around us, we start, if you remember how we enter into spiritual dimension of tonguing, you have to start with mechanica. You start praying in tongues. Before you know it, after a while, you are activated. You enter into a dimension where the spirit takes over and ignore the prayer points you have written down and begin to bring prayer points to your heart. You see yourself praying in tongues. You, don't, you, you, you are having a, a sense of what you are praying because you are having a feedback in your spirit. The Holy Ghost has taken over. That can happen for one hour, two hours, three hours and you are praying in tongues. And you, know, you are praying prayer points but not the one that you have written down. Now, it will come to the point where from that speaking in tongues you will now enter to the dimension of groaning. That is the, the, the normal and most common way we move to groaning. Hardly will you see, apart from those who are really matured in intercession, those who are really matured in intercession can move directly into groaning. When they see situations that are you know, troubling, they can just start groaning immediately. But normally, you will see somebody speaking in tongues, Leba Shanto Kanda, Rabba Santo Kande, the next thing, ah, ah, oh. Now, the moment you get to that point, all you are just saying is, ah, ah. That is the groaning we are talking about. Some of us, the truth is that you are already in this, but you don't know. But the truth is that it has to, we have to really be deliberate and intentional about groaning, allowing the spirit to take over. Because the Bible says, number one, he maketh intercession for us, and we are in the highest dimension of possibilities in the name of the spirit. There are gates. Listen, listen. Like I said, raising the dead. That's how international gates open. I hope you know that local gates are not as serious as international gates. You are not getting me. Are you getting me? Let me use Enugu Airport as an example. When you are traveling to, uh, 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 from Enugu to Lagos or from Enugu to Abuja, the shaking, they will shake you at Enugu Airport. Aye. Just, they will just shake you, shake you, small shake. That kind of shake. Oh, yeah, go. Uh, go. They will shake you, but by the time you are moving from Lagos or from Abuja, the international airport, to, that's where you, you will see shake. They will shake you, shake you, all kinds of shake. The international gates are not as local gates. That's why many of us, you end up at your level because you never get to the dimension of groaning. 
Are you getting it? So this morning, we, I just want us to understand and learn this. Even if you don't pray too much this morning, let it be that you have learned it. And then you begin to practice it in your own prayer time. Is that clear? 40 days of power is not only 40 days of prayer. It's also 40 days of empowerment by spiritual knowledge, high-level education of the Holy Ghost, which God has been, you know, giving to us all this while. So as we pray this morning, I hope and I trust that we are going to start with speaking in tongues, but we are going to move from speaking in tongues to the dimension of um, groaning. Are you ready? Are you sure? Okay, rise up and let us pray. Thank you for listening. I trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our Telegram, podcast and YouTube channels at Chidebele Udeze. For testimonies, counseling and prayers, you can send an email to calvarywayrevivallabels at gmail.com or call 080-6560-7999 and you can also follow us on our social media handles at Chidebele Udeze. God bless you.